0: welcome to the ike badgers podcast my name is alex ikestead and you are listening to season two of badgers and friends from ike badgers that's 12 weeks 12 episodes 12 players 12 tremendous conversations and we're getting right to it today we sit down with alec ingold fullback for the las vegas raiders who is writing his legacy and who has already left tradition in madison so we're excited to have alec kick off season two let's get into it alec Gingold,
1: welcome to the show how are you doing <laughs> i'm good it's a good little tuesday we got right now it's um
2: crazy weather really smoky from uh, california fires but uh, it's solid man how are you doing I'm doing great. Uh, you know, we're really excited to have you on the show. For those that don't know, Alec, he's the rising fullback for the Las Vegas Raiders, and a huge reason why Wisconsin is so highly respected when it comes to running backs and a strong ground game. We've said it before. Lost behind the glory of every talented offensive line, lost behind the talent of the dynamic running back, is a fullback doing the dirty work, helping put those groups in position to succeed. And a lot of what he does doesn't always show up in the box score, but that doesn't make it any less important. So we're going to cover his journey to Madison, to the NFL, to working in the community, to mentoring the young guys, and so much more. My name is KJ Ickstead. We're here with Alec Ingold, and you are listening to the Ike Badgers Podcast. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Okay. So, Alec, you're from Green Bay area where you went to Bayport High and dominated as a dual-threat quarterback when an AP Wisconsin State Player of the Year and also Gatorade Player of the Year. So you ended up committing to Northern Illinois to play QB before, before reversing course and choosing to sign with Wisconsin as an athlete. And could you tell us about that last-minute switch to Wisconsin, like what you remember about it and how you made the decision? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a tough decision for a 7- to 18-year-old kid. Uh, You know, your dream, whenever I wrote stuff down, was obviously I wanted to be an NFL quarterback. And I played football because I loved it, right? And I loved just being with the guys, loved the camaraderie, loved the idea of football, man. And at some point, you know, I had been going through these camps and I had been, you know, putting myself out there as this athlete recruit because I could run the ball a little bit better and I could throw it. Uh, there was, there was rumblings of a linebacker deal or, you know, running back, whatever that was, and to kind of have to subdue that, that NFL quarterback dream and give that up in, in that mid-major offer was there. And to be a D1 quarterback's a big deal, but, uh, to really try and, you know, make it to the NFL to trust coaches, to still be a part of the game that you love, uh, in a smaller capacity, I was, I was willing to kind of sacrifice that for, uh, possibly making it to the NFL and, and being at that big time Wisconsin uh, level. So I got a real late offer when coach Chris came over to Wisconsin. I, w- I was one of those first guys that he kept in state and yeah, I just kind of had to have that conversation. My parents like, man, listen, you can, you can do this quarterback thing. You can do your thing at NIU, but at the end of the day uh, <laughs> it, it might be uh better suited for you education wise. And you know, a shot at the NFL wise to kind of switch positions and do this athlete thing and take a, take a leap of faith. Cause I was a very low ranked recruit, uh, in terms of Wisconsin, uh, football,
2: man. I mean, like that was one of the questions I had as I was like typing out this outline, you know, just like the, the maturity you would have to have to like make yourself understand, like, even if your parents might've seen this, like say, Hey Alec, you know, maybe, there's this route to your wildest dreams, but it's not going to be as a quarterback. It's going to be at a position that's called a fullback. And like, maybe even if they could have forecasted this and it all works out for the best, that's nuts. But like to, to like willingly make that decision at that age would have been something where you probably had to swallow a lot of your pride and and it couldn't have been easy. So that was really cool to kind of hear about that. Uh, Real quick. Did you ever watch Pat white growing up? Dude. Pat White and Steve Slayton, uh, yeah. <laughs> NCAA football was like the cheat code
1: for West Virginia. West Virginia was my favorite college team growing up. Uh, I, I'm sorry for all the Wisconsin, but like Pat White and Steve Slayton were my guys for sure.
2: You know, it's hilarious. I uh, My next question is who are some of your favorite players growing up? And you're describing it and, and Pat White jumped into my head. But but yeah, expand on that for a second. Pat White, Steve Slayton, who are some of the other guys you really liked?
1: Uh, growing up, it, it was definitely Packers players um, at the... You know, NFL level, getting to bump into, you know, Donald Driver at uh, his show or William Henderson, you know, those guys kind of embodied, like they were huge role models for me. I'm on green for sure in the community where they're giving back. And I got to benefit from that as a kid growing up, uh, loving the Packers, loving Brett Favre, all that stuff. Um, College guys, for sure, it was, you know, the James Whites of the world, Pat White, Steve Slayton, you know, that was the. That was the gold standard of what I was going for. Jordan Lynch at NIU, I wanted to be like him, That's play quarterback right. there. So uh, there, there was a lot of role models I found playing, playing the game the right way uh, that I looked up to.
2: Yeah, I mean, Pat White, he was an electric guy. I think he tried to convert to a receiver or something in the NFL, um, but he was one of those really fun collegiate guys. So real quick in high school, do you have a favorite moment from high school ball?
1: Shoot, I think my senior year... We had so we had a new turf field going in, and so my entire senior year we played on the road while this thing was getting built. Uh, we played every single game away for like six or seven straight weeks, and then we had a homecoming game against Esquivelon with uh, James Morgan, who was committed to Bowling Green to play quarterback. Awesome human being, awesome friend now, um, but that was kind of the crosstown rivals. We hadn't been home for you know like I said six seven weeks, and we got to play that it was like one of the only Wisconsin high school football games where two division one quarterbacks were going at it. So yeah. that was uh that was a big game for us. That was really fun. Uh, you know, toughest of competitors and we ended up winning and it was a fun time and we had a lot of fans in the stands. So it was, it was cool to kind of have that entire environment built up for that, for that high school game.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, side, side question, but did you ever watch Friday night lights growing up? Oh, yeah, big time. Big time,
1: uh, Friday Night Lights, like TV show, and then also the movie.
2: Yeah, I, I have to see the movie. The TV show is phenomenal, just kind of how he transitions from, say, East Dillon to West Dillon with uh, Michael B. Jordan. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I kind of asked this question earlier, and you answered it in regards to the the position change and the mentality. But it's kind of like a side question. How much did, you know, being a quarterback really just translate to your on-field IQ and and, and just ability to maybe pick up uh, a different position um, in terms of a fullback who has a lot of varying assignments and has very important tasks every play?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I I feel like being able to appreciate the game of football, like, I don't think people understand how similar the game of football is technique-wise and you know, concept wise from offense to defense, to special teams, like there's a lot of recurring themes, but behind every position on the football field and switching positions at a young age gave me an appreciation for like the game of football as a whole, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's kind of where, you know, all of a sudden you become a student in game and you just, you hear those common themes, you hear different coaching points, you hear what the theme of a locker room needs to be. And then you're like, dang, that's uh that's what we're after right now or that, that's something i can focus on or that's what i can put into my game to to be a part of this team so um yeah it's it's kind of wild when you kind of when you understand that the game of football whether you're a receiver uh linebacker quarterback running back whatever there's a lot of similarities and techniques and uh fundamentals of football that really translate well
2: yeah it almost reminds you of like a greek phalanx just uh you know, people locking those shields next to each other, you just gotta move as one unit. Um, so how about this? What's a fun fact about fullbacks the audience might not know much about?
1: Um, a fun fact about a fullback. There's not there's not a whole lot of fun in, in the fullback world. <laughs> um it, you know, it's it's really gritty, like you said, but I think one of the biggest jobs I have on a football field is communicating to the running back.
0: Okay. So like
1: I have to, you know. Obviously we have running, but we have real smart running backs in our room. Um, and especially at Wisconsin, you know, all those guys that I've played with are, are real smart, but at the same time they're getting tackled a lot. They have a lot to think about on their head. So a fullback's job is really to communicate from the quarterback to the running back real quick, real fast before snap, you know, what his assignment is, or just a quick reminder of the defense or what look we're in so that the running back can play fast and really not have to think very much. So It's almost my job to take the thinking away from a running back in the game.
2: Man, you know, what's crazy, Alec, is that if you were to if I were to ask you which stat that would translate to in Madden, I don't even know if there would be one that exists. You might say awareness, but it's like talk about something that goes into the success of a team that doesn't exactly show up in the box. score. That's really cool. Um, So how about this? Wisconsin's uh, Wisconsin's known for having the reputation of some might call it offensive lineman university. Some may call it running back university. Uh, there's a long list of players in the NFL taken whether it's at the top of the draft, middle rounds, undrafted ranks, coming from all sorts of backgrounds, winning awards. And we touched on, you know, fullbacks don't often share as much in uh, share as much in terms of the glory, but they play this massive role, especially when it comes to guys like. Wisconsin running backs having success. Uh, how much pride did it give you to, to really just play an important part in furthering those OLU and running back university traditions at Wisconsin?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, Wisconsin kind of embodies this whole idea of like the sum of the individual parts, you know what I'm saying? Like the the sum of the the whole whole is is more than the individual parts. And I think fullback kind of plays into that. That's kind of the epitome of, of that saying, um, and, and you can speak a lot that. i mean that's the that's the embodiment of the wisconsin football program uh, just being able to have the communication piece that might not show up on a box score or having guys that have played or uh, practiced so hard for so long with all those bowl prep and and the spring ball that's so physical at wisconsin uh, you get all those reps and you kind of you share this bond and this communication style that allows guys to truly you know, cut it loose, play for one another, trust one another, accountability, you know, all those things that you kind of speak on or any coach can kind of say, you know, Wisconsin really embodies it and you get it drilled in your head as an offense that that's how you're going to play the game. So, you know, I think that's how you get a whole lot of uh, offense alignment that are all Americans together. You get big groups of them all, all, all Americans all throughout the same way, running backs the same way. Um, you have this mentorship, you have this, this culture that one after another, after another, everyone kind of understands the formula. And, yeah. you know, that that's kind of what gets preached to us for sure.
2: It's a phenomenal culture. Um, and what's cool about Madison, I think a lot of people would agree, is every year there are players that seemingly, maybe you they aren't as necessarily as under the radar to you guys as they are to the outside world, but seemingly there are players who come out of nowhere and just take these tremendous developmental leaps and, you know, behind all these high draft picks, uh, NFL players, you know, impact players, collegiate, amazing athletes, whatever it might be, is, is just like another kid who arrives at Madison as a freshman with a lot to learn. And that being said, Alec, what was it like when you first got to Madison and were there, were there any upperclassmen who took you under their wing?
1: My name is Paul Hansen, founder of Iron Jock Performance Gear out of Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Iron Jock is the most advanced workout gear and apparel in the world. Every item is scientifically designed with a super fabric called Enduritech, a technology that eliminates 99.9% of all odor-causing bacteria. No other athletic and performance apparel has what Iron Jock has. And I guarantee all of it. If for any reason, at any time, you're not satisfied, send it back. No questions asked. Join the Iron Jock takeover. Shop at ironjoc.com.
2: What was it like when you first got to Madison and were there, there any upperclassmen who took you under their wing?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, my freshman year was really a whirlwind, right? So I show up, one of the lowest ranked recruits, definitely have a chip on my shoulder. I'm trying to prove that I belong in, into this whole program. Um, our entire recruiting class was split, right? We had half of the Gary Anderson staff yeah. uh, recruitment there and we had half of Coach Chris staff there. So there was some a lot of guys that didn't really know each other weren't on the same official visits like a lot of other places so um kind of going into it you just had to claw scratch you know get every little inch of leeway you could get onto a field i'm trying to learn how to play defense like i've never played defense before in my life as well as learn coach aranda's uh, linebacker drop uh, you know all those jobs so it was uh it was definitely a whirlwind of kind of just putting that pride aside. I know we already talked about that, trying to just grind for whatever you can, can earn. But, you know, at the end of the day, when I got that opportunity, I remember coach Chris coming up to me and be like, Hey man, um, we got, you know, I know you're really working hard at this linebacker stuff. We just redshirted you, but you know, I can see you having a career as a fullback, like in the NFL, I can see you being an NFL guy. What do you think? Do you want to make that switch? And I was like, well, I kind of already just switched positions, so it's not like I'm really, uh, I'm not married to this whole linebacker thing yet. And you know, at that point, it, it was kind of like learn on the fly. You're you're dressing, you're going to all the games now, and that's where Derek Watt really came in and was like, "Hey, yeah. buddy, like I did the same exact thing, man. Like I I was a linebacker, I had to switch." He's like, "Just sit with me, listen to me, watch what I do," you know, and I just really just tried to soak every second I could with Derek Watt. Uh, You know, I, I look up to him to this day, you know, he's over at the Steelers right now doing his thing on special teams and on offense. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to be like him in special teams and offense, just as much as I was that freshman learning from a senior. And, you know, that was the first guy that I really looked up to and truly showed me how to be, not only be like a good fullback and a good running back and a teammate in that offense, but taught me how to be a good, um, good teammate, good person, good human. Um, you know, he definitely took me under his wing for sure from, from the very beginning and he didn't need to at all.
2: Man. And, and that's kind of all those things you just listed, like being a good teammate, being a good person, being a good human. I would argue that, you know, as someone talking to you in Milwaukee right now, you know, you, you see a lot of these comparables with uh, the bucks and Giannis where on paper you, you say like, well, how do they win a championship against a team that has maybe James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? Well, it's those things that don't exactly show up uh, that Derek Watt taught you that, you know, you're teaching to guys like Garrett Groschek and John Chanel. Just really cool to hear about it. So um, what do you remember most about your Camp Randall debut?
1: Shoot, that was wild. So I got a I I got a story I haven't told uh, very many people. I, I don't know if okay. anyone really knows this. Um, so I was supposed to play week. Shoot, I don't know if it was week two. No, as was week, week three, we were supposed to play Troy. And I had told my whole family, like, hey, I'm dressing for this. There might be some garbage time. Like, I might be, be in this time. Like, I, I just switched over to running back from fullback. So I'm, I'm learning the whole offense. It's been like a week. And this is my first time traveling, right? I'm super excited. I go to the team hotel. And I'm rooming with Taiwan Deal. And there's like a morning walkthrough that I didn't know about. Oh, and no. we, we missed the morning walkthrough. We were late. Oh. And so I had my whole family come out. I had everyone just super excited I was going to play. It was week three against Troy. I knew there was going to be garbage time. We are going to win by about 40. And I was late to that morning walkthrough. And they they just benched me. They're like, oh, this, this freshman, he doesn't know what he's doing. And I honestly, I just didn't. This is my first time traveling. I had no idea what the schedule was. I had no idea what the itinerary was. Yeah. Derek is just looking at me like bro how do you how do you miss your first walk through what are you doing oh. <laughs> so that was uh that was gut-wrenching for me because I you know that's something that I'm never going to be someone that's late to something or blowing stuff off or you know I- I'm not going to be messing around fooling around that's going to cause me to miss a meeting so I was honestly just like waiting around super excited in my hotel room you know what I'm saying oh and man then,
2: uh, you had good intentions and I bet you you know, you learned the hard way from that, you know, and like, like you said, you probably take it with you to this day and make sure to double check the itinerary or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I learned that, but then, you know, Hawaii was the very next week and I had a good week of practice. So I was able to to hop back in. It was a night game. And I remember my first carry, my feet were in the end zone and you just got an entire view of Camp Randall, like, like, like the camp, you know what I'm saying? Um, the long way yeah the long way you got so my my back is to the student section we're up 21 to zero at night uh super electric atmosphere and you know i get like a i don't know six yard carry something like that and the second we we call the same exact play and i go the wrong way it's like my second play and i I run the (laughs) wrong way bart houston hands it to me backwards like backhands me the football i take off the wrong way i ended up getting like a a 25 30 yard gain off of it from starting the wrong direction and i ended up with like 60 yards that game it was it was electric it was fun but yeah i was a I was a young buck that's for sure and, and the environment really was like holy crap this is you know this is division one football this is a big 10 you're running back now um uh, it was definitely one of those pinch me moments and then um i had to make the most of it
2: yeah i mean like i think <laughs> it's funny because you learn the best going through the fire right and um You know, you did go through the position change, but things happen pretty fast out there, I imagine. So uh, it all ends up working out. That's 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 what's good. Um, So Wisconsin has always produced talented running backs. I got to ask, what was it like blocking for a guy like JT and what makes him so special?
1: Uh, JT is one of those guys where the very first time I saw him go through a bag drill, it just looked different than everybody else. And you don't have pads on. It's one of those summer deals. And you're just like, holy crap, who is this kid? And, you know, we had a little position battle going on between a few guys, but he was in the back of the line, and he's pretty quiet. He's like, hey, everyone, just call me JT, blah, blah, blah. And he went through that first bag drill, and it was just like, oh, he's kind of moving different. And then he has this whole, like, you know, first – scrimmage where we're under the lights and it's live and he's breaking all of these tackles and he like there's the the legend of jt was born at that moment and i heard the
2: the legends of the scrimmage
1: yeah it was it was absolutely unbelievable to be there you're like holy cow this kid is this kid is unreal you get him off of special teams (laughs) we're getting him dressed up for uh week one starter so it was really cool to see uh i don't think i've ever seen him get tackled by the first guy ever uh he always makes one miss and the amount of humility and humbleness that guy has is really impressive. Um, you can't really speak enough on the type of human he is. And once again, it goes back to that whole stuff that doesn't show up in a box score. He might run for a couple thousand yards, uh, but the way that that guy just carries himself, how he's a teammate, how he you know, does his day-to-day activities is uh, that that's where you kind of get that culture. You can just watch. He can lead from, example you know he doesn't have to speak up all that often because you know he's doing the right thing He he's always being there for other guys so yeah that guy you, you could go on hours and hours and hours talking about how how phenomenal of a human being JT is
2: yeah we certainly heard some legendary you know stories uh, one of my favorite stories actually was told uh, by Colin Larsh when he was a freshman he needed some gloves and the equipment manager was like well, what do you need these gloves for? You know, you're just freshman kicker, whatever. And long story short, you just couldn't really get the gloves. But then uh, JT was like, here, man, take mine. And, like, JT, of course, got the other gloves. And, and it's just, like, something small like that where it doesn't matter if you're the, you know, the best guy on the team or the last guy on the bench. Like, you hear these stories about him really taking a team-first leadership approach. And uh, the Badgers had so much success. That was just a lot of – that was a really fun era. So here's kind of the uh, – Kind of a follow-up question. What's your favorite part about Big Ten football?
0: What do all Badger fans need? A great place to watch the game, of course. That's where our good friend Jeff Johns comes in. Jeff is one of the hardest-working realtors serving Madison, Milwaukee, and everywhere in between. If you're looking to buy or sell your next home, condo, or investment property, Jeff is a great guy to talk to. He's also a great person to talk to if you're interested in learning more about real estate or getting into the industry yourself. So for a free, no obligation review of your home, buyer consultation, or whatever you need from him, just give him a call. He's available at 262-442-2700 or jeff.johns at exprealty.com. What's your favorite part about big 10
2: football?
1: Hmm. Um. I think that the best part about big 10 football, it translates real well to pro football in the fact yeah. that the margin of error or the margin of victory is normally pretty small. Uh, you got a lot of good athletes, a lot of similar offenses, not a whole lot of trick plays, not a whole lot of athletes that are just better than anybody else. Uh, so you really have, it, it is the ultimate team sport. You know what I'm saying? You're not, you're not focusing on getting a ball to the guy who's 4-2 speed. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, You need all 11 on offense to make th- something go. You need all 11 on defense to make the stops. Uh, you, know, you need the kicking game. Everything matters in Big Ten football, and I think that's one of the best parts about uh, college football in general is there's mistakes that are made. There's big plays that are had, but at the end of the day, it's what team is the best team, most prepared team, um, which is why I think you see so much excitement and upsets are so amazing in the big 10 because it really takes everybody to be on their screws in order to win a game in the big 10.
2: Yeah. I mean, it looks like pro ball, kind of like you mentioned, it's very translatable. It definitely looks like if you're just an innocent bystander and you're, you're watching you know, college on Saturdays and NFL on Sundays, I think uh, big 10 is definitely the most closely resembling pro ball So the Badgers have rostered some really talented defensive players and pass rushers throughout the years. You know, you mentioned uh, the Watts, uh, JJ, TJ, guys like Keanu Ben, Bo Allen. Uh, I know you've gone up against some talented linebackers, too. And so this is one of my favorite questions to ask. Who's the best Wisconsin defensive player you've ever gone up against? So it's like practice or scrimmage or whatever.
1: So TJ Watt and I switched positions around the same time. Uh, And we had a spring ball together where he was just getting healthy off of his knee. um, And he was going to have his big year. So it was the combination of TJ Watt and Vince Beagle just absolutely mixing me every single day in spring ball. Like TJ could just run through me at any point whenever he wanted to. And Vince Beagle could just give me like a little, you know, finesse move and, and make me look silly the next time. So those two combined were an absolute nightmare for a sophomore fullback is just trying to learn the position. Um, Those guys were absolutely beasts. And, you know, it is something where you look back on those spring practices where you get upset and you pick fights and stuff, but that that's where we all got better. Um, You know, anytime I got under TJ's shin once, you know, he was, he was real upset because he (laughs) he won about nine out of 10 times. So, um, you know, just getting through those, those, grinders of off-season practices where everyone's trying to get better you know those guys were obviously um you know a a step ahead of me the whole way it was it was fun to kind of get those competitions because uh anytime I got a chance and I would win a block it was like I was a freaking kid in a candy store man it was like all all those losses were worth it and then you know it just motivates you to get a little bit better so man those times where it was my sophomore off-season those were some of the toughest practices between Vince and TJ that I've ever had
2: well, it's so interesting because that's definitely a theme we've we've been hearing is, uh, you know, the people getting better in those spring practices and, and how brutal they are. And it's so interesting. It kind of makes me think of just like soccer, the way that they might play in, you know, some pretty high up leagues, but they might not get on the field much. They go to a different league and all of a sudden they're kind of well uh, prepared to, to hit the ground running or, or even like with the new transfer rules, there's a lot of players able to kind of you know, circulate much easier than they used to be. I'm just thinking about some of these Wisconsin guys who may transfer out uh, eventually and just like coming from those practices to like a new school. (laughs) I mean, it's gotta be a little bit bit of an advantage, you know, whether they they understand at the time or not, that's just definitely a theme we've heard of. Um, So you had a really strong senior year in college where you, you know, you doubled your yards per carry average. And uh, that being said, Entering the NFL as an undrafted rookie is an, definitely an uphill climb. So can you describe uh, that first training camp and maybe touch on the mindset you had in that moment in time to just persevere through the challenges and earn a spot on the roster?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that first that first training camp was unreal. Um, we had hard knocks, and, and that was no secret. Right. You know, obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm fighting uh, the, the guy who was a starter last year. I'm trying to, you know we're in a huge position battle. Uh, it's no, there was no secrets. And the craziest thing is like coaches were also saying like, this isn't going to be fair. Like if you think this is going to be a fair fight, you're wrong. Like we're, we're picking the guys that, you know, whether you like it or not, this is a business decision. You know, it's not who's the best, whatever. Um, you know, everything plays into it. Like we've been talking about this whole time, like the culture that people want to create the, the dollar value all of a sudden of a player matters. Um, you know all of those things kind of play into it and that was very eye opening for me like man life ain't fair like this isn't if you think this is going to be a fair shot it's it's not what you're getting into so to be able to kind of go into that environment and and have to grow up real fast and just be like you know what nothing's going to get handed to you you got to show up every day you got to rely on your preparation and you got to grind for everything that was a, that was an insane you know amount of sacrifice that i had to find within myself t- to really make this dream come true um you know you're you're sitting there and you're stressed over every single you're over analyzing every single step every single block every single rep that you get in a practice whether you're in the weight room you know in meetings you're always locked in um you had to be the best i mean i had to be the best version of myself you know and then some and then some every single day and to to try and cultivate that or create that version of yourself that these people are seeing day over day over day um man that was it was stressful uh, but at the same time, you kind of unlock almost like a like a hidden gear that you didn't have before. Um, yeah, I got to rely. I was very thankful being from Wisconsin, having that practice experience in, in those grinding, you know, grueling training camp, spring ball, fall camp, all all that stuff. You know, that all played into a role in, into making this team. But man, it was it was something like unlocked within. You know, that brain cell was like, listen, man. You can be the very best yourself, like whatever you need and whatever you need to get from yourself today. You got it. Like, let's get it. Let's you're, you're a month away from making this dream come true. Do all the right things, lock in mentally and, and let's go get it. Let's get better every single day. And that whole transition of a, of a mindset of a you know sacrifice point of view, you know, there was there's so much that went into that. You had to be healthy. You had to be lucky. You had to be perfect. And it was just the perfect storm of all of that kind of coming together and that's purposeful, man. that's powerful. so it was really fun to to be able to look back on that and be like that's something that you had to absolutely sacrifice for you know the moment of preparation that, that you've been putting in and then that opportunity of a lifetime all came in at one time and it all worked out for the for the better. So man that was uh, that was a crazy camp that is for sure.
2: Well, it's so interesting because when you're kind of giving your answer, I was thinking about just like the the mentality that you carry with every day that we've talked. You know, you definitely have one of these mentalities that uh, you could say a lot of people in sports are competitive. But I would say you you have this unique mentality and those that uh, would know Alec, you know, they probably agree. um, But it almost makes you think of that Muhammad Ali quote like. You know, he's talking about training. He's like, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit, suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. That that must have been probably a pretty, uh, you know, similar circumstance. Like, let me ask you this, Alec, who was like your voice of refuge when you were just like, man, this close to saying, man, I don't know if I can do this. Like, who did you talk to? Who did you text? Who did you call to like get you through that?
1: Man, I wasn't I wasn't shedding any words of uh, weakness around that facility. Um, yeah, I, w- I was calling my dad and my mom on the regular. My parents were, were huge supporters. I have friends from high school that I was talking to college uh, that you can relate to. Um, but, yeah, you have to rely on that network, man. It was huge uh, of my family and you know the support from friends and family to be able to like vent, to be able to let them know how you feel. And let them know the stress that you're going on, whether they, you know, understood it or not, whether they could relate or not. Just getting it off your chest was huge because every day you walk into that facility, you got to put a smile on your face. You got to put a little love in your heart and you got to be able to to prove to everybody that's there. Like there's a, it's a whole bunch of alpha dogs in that facility. You got to, you know, be ready to, you can't be carrying any baggage from yeah. your personal life into a new day at work. So. Learning how to kind of keep that, you know, outside of the facility and just absolutely give my all to the, to the facility, the franchise, to my teammates, to the coaching staff. You know, I didn't want to give anybody an excuse, anybody a reason to to kick me out of the door. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you just had to remove all doubt, uh, all negativity in my life and just absolutely be the best. Every time you woke up, just be the best version of yourself. and you know, being able to kind of vent to those, those family members that have been there from absolute day one, you know, that was super helpful for me being able to, okay, you know, these people that there might be struggle, but everyone's struggling. So I can put a smile on my face. I can move a little bit faster today. I can go through stretch a little bit better than I did yesterday. And you just find those little, little victories, those little games that you can just keep playing with yourself to keep going and keep improving.
2: Yeah. I mean, man, you know, it just sounds like an insane experience. So, one last question about the pre-draft process. Did you get asked any like unique questions uh, that in hindsight, you're like, Oh, that was kind of funny during like some of these interviews.
1: Yeah. So I tried to, you know, be myself as best I could. I I didn't want to give any like fake answers or like any macho man, like (laughs) um, BS stuff. Cause like, you know, at the end of the day, like a team that wants me is going to get me, you know what I'm saying? So I I didn't want to like put on a front or anything. So uh, there is one question they were asking me like, what, you know, okay, it's the last day of spring ball. What are you going to do? Like, what, what do you do after your, your very last practice of spring ball? And I was like, I don't know. I'd probably, you know, wake up, call my dad, maybe get some wings with my, my buddies, my roommates, and maybe play around to golf.
0: Yeah. And
1: the guy apparently, like, it got back to me that he thought that was one of the best answers that he'd ever gotten because most guys will be like, oh, you know, I'll watch some film, take a protein <laughs> shake, get in the weight room, you know, probably like try and max out or something. And he's like, dude, nobody does that after spring ball. Like I want to yeah. know what you're actually about afterwards. And he's like, he's gonna get some wings and play golf with his boys. Like that's that's the type of guy I want. So, um, you know, just being brutally honest, that was that was kind of one of the craziest answers that I, I was just maybe a little too real about <laughs> that that I wasn't watching uh the extra hour of film after the last spring ball practice. But you know, at the same time, it's it's all about being with the boys, being with the guys, and you know, that's what I was all about.
2: Man, you know, I think uh, it's just like a good policy to have, just like keeping it real always, you know, being honest, uh, as long as, you know, it it helps your, you make it through that training camp. But in in that case, you know, you're just kind of being yourself and it's one of those instances where it pays off. And I think that's something that I would relate to in life is like when you just bear it all, you know, you can't really lose and and things just kind of work out as they should. Um, So. You, uh, you made your NFL debut on Monday Night Football. And what was that like? How did that compare to your Camp Randall debut? And like, were you like more nervous, less nervous? Uh, can you describe that for a sec?
1: Yeah, so I was able to call my parents and let them know that I was going to be playing ball uh, Monday night, which was real emotional. Um, winning that starting job or playing the Broncos. I'm going to have to block Von Miller all day. Um, so it's a, tough, it's a tough game plan, tough task to start. Uh, Josh Jacobs and I, we, we set a record, our very first snap. Uh, We were the first ever fullback and running back in the NFL, in NFL history to start um, your, your rookies. So like we're the first two pair of rookies fullback and running back to start together on week one. So, you know, we're already in the record books uh, off that first snap. So that was, once we got that first snap out out of the way, you first pad hit, you know, then you're able to kind of get back to reality, but I thought it was absolutely amazing. I thought I played my best game ever. And then we turned on the tape the next the next morning and I had a terrible grade sheet. It was ugly. I was like, oh my God, I got a lot of work to do. Holy crap, I look slow. I looked, I looked uh, unathletic, all of that stuff. So um, it was a very like, humbling experience thinking that you were just on cloud nine the whole time. And then you're like, Dan, okay. You kind of got wrecked a couple times and this fit, this fit wasn't right. You know, so there's a lot of corrections to be made. So I wasn't on cloud nine too long.
2: Yeah. Ha- has the game slowed down? Would you
1: say? Yeah, I think it, it all comes with the preparation. You know, now I have a routine, um, and it's something that I pride myself on is just working my absolute tail off and, and having everyone's back. Like we've been talking this whole time, it's been a, a theme of accountability and having trust with the coaches and your teammates. So the way that you prepare, the way that you study, I've learned uh, so much on you know defensive fronts and what to expect and what to be prepared for. So um, now that I have a routine, I'm able to be a little bit more of a pro I'm able to, um, you know, how how my body works and what I need to be ready for, for those Sunday morning games or Monday night games, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it all comes with experience, but yeah, I've come a long ways from that that rookie uh, Monday night football game week one.
2: Yeah. So, so you ended up catching the first touchdown in Allegiant Stadium history. At least that's what my research said. And could you tell us about that? Like, do you still have the ball or do they put it in like the stadium trophy case or... What was that like?
1: No, I, I still have the ball. I'm looking at it right now. It's it's in the office, so that's that's not getting away from me anytime soon. Nice. No, it was uh, it was cool. Everyone was building that up, and you know, I you knew that play call was going to go in, um, depending on what yard yard marker it was. So you know, it wasn't really surprised to to get that play call. It was you know, kind of. It was one of those moments that, that you really look back on. And you say, okay, my coaches trust me. Teammates trust you to, to make that play in that situation on Monday Night Football against the Saints, um, you know, NFC playoff team. So to be able to just execute, you know, it wasn't, wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't like a, a blockbuster, you know, play or performance or anything. But you're just prepared. You've done the, the rep a million times. And then you go out and you get to execute and you get to score a touchdown. So um, it, it was really special. I've definitely seen... How crazy it is after the fact, like being on Jeopardy and um, yeah. you know, being like trivia question and, and all that stuff has been fun. But um I, I was not thinking about that at the time when the play call was going on. So it, it's been cool since then.
2: I mean it's almost just like inspiring to think that a you know kid from Green Bay, like growing up in a stadium that not wasn't even necessarily built yet in a franchise that you know was in Oakland. And you're scoring, like, the first TD. It's just pretty surreal, honestly, and uh, definitely would be one of those pinch-me moments. So um, it's pretty cool. What's it like playing with Henry Ruggs, and how would you say he stacks up against Tyree Kill? Uh, both of those guys, I like, I've said this before. Um, I'm not sure, like,
1: how we're both, um, like, human beings, like <laughs> the, same, the same species. Um, Ruggsy is crazy fast. He's crazy athletic, and he just... You, you just see him move sometimes on a football field and it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't comprehend. Like he can look like he's jogging and he's outrunning everyone on the field. So uh, it, it's been real cool to see him. And he's an amazing human being. Like he's a, he's a family man, like has his daughter uh, all over the place around the facility and around the guys. It's, it's really cool to see how much he values family and all that. So um, besides being a football player, I mean, that's, it's unbelievable the things that he can do. And then, yeah, you see Tyreek Hill, twice a year um you know i'm not the not the biggest chiefs fan in the world so it's it's something that we prepare for every single year when he goes back for a punt return it is pretty much the only time that i get to see him but it's he puts he puts some fear into some punt teams that's for sure and being able to get that you know field returns where he gets a lot of space and he can he can make a lot of people miss and, and not even be able to touch them so um he is
2: as fast as, as we've heard <laughs> yeah
1: no it's it's unbelievable like it doesn't make sense to see how fast they're moving and then how effortless it is uh, in person. It's Those two guys are bucket list people that you need to see play football.
2: Well, well, real quick, you're making me think of a third guy, and that's Marquez Valdez-Scantling, MVS, for the Packers. Have you ever had any experience playing with him or not yet?
1: No, I haven't I haven't played against him yet. We played the Packers my rookie year, uh, and I don't know if he was on I don't the field know if he or not. Yeah,
2: okay. Okay, yeah, just wanted to um, – Throw his name in the ring because he's kind of like our, uh, our Henry Ruggs, if you will. Uh, you touched on this a little bit earlier. What's it like playing with Josh Jacobs? I, I know there's probably a lot of mutual respect uh, Alabama guy, Wisconsin guy, you know, um, two really, really, really well run programs that just pump guys in the NFL. And how, is, how would you say he's like a little similar or different than JT?
1: Um, they definitely have different running styles. I think, you know, Josh has definitely got like a, a shifty, a shiftiness to him. Um, that's just kind of like, I don't know how to describe it. It's it's hard to get a flush hit on Josh Jacobs. Like guys, okay. guys just kind of bounce off of him. And it's, he's just very subtle with his movements. Um, very tough to tackle, very like low center of gravity. Whereas JT is very much like, he's a higher cut guy who can, he has that sprinter speed, that can get away from people and then also kind of if you get a flush hit on him, you better be coming with a lot of steam because he really drops his shoulder pads and lowers a boom on you, if that makes sense. So they're they're two very different runners. But when it comes to their preparation, when it comes to the way they are as a running back overall, like in their their demeanor, very, very similar. Good people, uh first and foremost, and then second off, they they really, you know, they're a lot smarter than Uh, the average running back you know they they know what looks they are they know where to put their eyes they can pick up pass pro they're selfless Um, you know so in that aspect they're very similar but the way they run the ball is completely different which is pretty cool
2: yeah you know I think it was it might have been John Chanel or or it might have been Groshek who was saying uh, JT like if you threw a block in front of that guy he would quote-unquote make you right I believe the term was and and you just had confidence like blocking where you got your guy off to the left or off to the right that he would make it right. Is that kind of um, how they say it, I guess?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, um, they definitely set up their blocks. Right. So there's every single run play, there's two reads and, and that's just across the NFL. That's just football. Every time you you got a, like a pre-snap read where you, you see where the linemen the alignments are, you got one guy, you put your eyes on, go in and out of him. Uh, and then you put your second, you know, second set of eyes on that next guy. And you know, that's just, that's just football. That's just run game. And I'm normally reading the same way that, that Josh or JT is reading the defense and to be able to read the same way they do every single time, have that consistency. And then they know my rule. Right. So like, how do I explain this? Let's say, you know, we have an outside zone play and, you know that there's a guy that's like a wide defensive end, right? So we know the ball isn't getting outside of him. I mm-hmm. have a completely different set of rules on this run play all of a sudden. Well, Josh and JT, they know that. So they they can they can predict, they can comprehend, they, they already know, you know, depending on where I put my helmet, that's where the cut is, that's where the yards are. So to be able to go through those reps together and build that camaraderie almost, you know, they're able to play so much faster because we can trust each other. We can see the same thing. Our eyes are seeing the same thing. They're reading the same thing so that when the play happens and that contact happens, they're up the field for eight yards untouched instead of in the backfield, you know, dashing around for two, three yards.
2: Yeah. No, that's actually really interesting to hear. Thanks for expanding on that. So how about this, Alec? Can you share with our listeners a skill or technique you're working to get better at?
1: I think it's – I'm really working on my consistency. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of plays to be had in the NFL and, you know, you can jump over a guy in in New England or you can score the first touchdown. You can run a guy over and, and, you know, a helmet pops off. But I want to be able to just raise that raise that floor of my play, if that makes sense. Eliminate the bad plays, be able to be the best version of myself more and more often so that, yeah, those highlight plays can come and go and, and they might happen this year. They might not. But at the end of the day, I want to be more consistent. I want those gritty four-yard plays to turn into six for Josh. Yep. I want the check down that I might have been a second or two late outside and Derek Hargett sacked. I want to be out there so that he can dump the ball off and we can get four yards. Being able to be kind of that safety valve or someone that that's able to kind of make every play just one or two yards better, three or four yards better, uh, I feel like that's going to be able to raise the standard of our offense and you know help our team out. The best that I can. So just eliminating those bad plays and just making every single play just one or two yards more efficient. Uh that's my main goal.
2: Man, I think uh you know, one of my favorite phrases is just like the differences in the details and, and it sounds like you're just talking about the details. So I, I love to hear that. Uh so so this is definitely been looking forward to asking about this. Um, in your own words, you're very big on legacy and do some pretty cool, uh, off the field work involving financial education and other life skills that aren't always taught in school, uh, but are really important nonetheless. Could you talk a little bit about your doing that and how our listeners, uh, might get involved if they'd like to support the mission, maybe who, who these, uh, things are for and, and just like that. Yeah. So, um, I've been
1: working pretty hard on this money mini camp idea. Uh, it's, um, It's a combination of the financial literacy education I've gotten from the University of Wisconsin um, and and combining that with personal development. And that's something that UW athletics, NFL is big on. I've been big on just kind of studying that stuff on my own. I know a lot of people are reading nowadays on personal development, how to be a better version of yourself. Um, So I kind of created a curriculum, right? And it is for high school age kids at-risk Title I high school. So if you don't know what Title I is, it's kind of like there's a threshold of like 75, 80% of your students are on lunch assist. Um, You're you're considered a Title I school. Um, I'm trying to get the amount of financial literacy to those kids as well as the personal development. So I created this curriculum, like I've been saying, where day one, these kids show up and they learn everything they need. They need to know about savings, budgeting, a spending plan, a savings plan, credit, debit, um, insurance, online banking. You know everything that you could think of uh, in a 21st century you know realm of financial literacy. And how much that is changing. How much money works uh, differently than anything else that they're learning in math or social studies or whatever they're learning in high school nowadays. It, it really hits on how money can be a tool for you how to value your time and really how to maximize the efficiency in every single dollar that you earn and every dollar that you spend. Um, After you kind of worry about that financial literacy piece, you come back the next day and we talked about um, everything to do with being the best version of yourself. So we go through social media, how you're portraying yourself to other people. Uh, Do you have a LinkedIn account? What is a LinkedIn account? How can it help you uh, in a job search? I talk about goal setting, being able to write down a goal, address your biggest fears, um, being able to overcome those fears and and be the best version of yourself. Then we talk about um, being being a public speaker or how to how to present yourself publicly. So there's elevator pitches that we can talk about. There's the power of your own name, what your name means on a Google dictionary definition and what you want to define your name as how you speak on your goals to, to a future employer, to a friend, to a family member, how to share those messages with them. And then going into resumes, cover letters, and then job readiness. We get them all a job interview for open NFL positions um, just in in a mock uh, setting. So we put on a camp for 30 kids at the boys and girls club out in Madison. Uh, We went to the Edgewater hotel and, and we did this two day event and it was, it was outstanding from, Showing up at 8 a.m., it was early for a bunch of these 16-year-old kids in the summer. They're used to sleeping in until 1130 noon. But on that second day when they were doing those mock interviews and we had real job recruiters coming out, and they were blown away by the way they were shaking hands, telling stories, being able to fit their personal objectives into the mission of this company or this job, Uh, it it was a real (laughs) proud dad moment (laughs) seeing all these kids uh, just absolutely crush these interviews. and take away something tangible in their life. Um, so they're not only, you know, understanding how money works, but they're, they're understanding how to get a job, what type of jobs they can be looking for, how to find them, how to portray yourself professionally. So, um, I'm definitely working on, you know, growing and expanding, uh, following through Instagram and LinkedIn and, you know, Twitter nowadays, social media is definitely the biggest thing, but, um, we got a, we got a big football season coming up. So I'm going to be putting a lot of this stuff on the back burner till the next off season, but yep. it'll be really cool to see the community kind of come around. We got videos, we got testimonials. Now we have a proof of concept, so to speak, and, and we have kids that have gone through it already and given good feedback and how to improve and what the best parts were. So um, that's, that's legacy. That's a purpose. That's changing lives. That's, you know, if I'm just a football player that I feel like I've failed, you know what I'm saying? I, I think I need to do something with this platform and to be able to show kids how much they have to work for what they want uh how to be the best version of themselves and kind of giving them a blueprint and being like all right you can go get your dream job but now what what's your purpose yeah. how are you going to help the community how are you going to give back how are you going to be a great uh great father husband wife mother daughter you know what i'm saying so just being better people all over the place um and, and then also learning a little bit about financial literacy is really that purpose off the field that i've kind of Grown to love, and that's something that I'm I'm hoping to grow, you know, from Madison, Wisconsin to who knows where.
2: I mean, just unbelievable stuff. I really want to drive home the point that they don't really teach this in schools, you know. Like, I had a personal finance course that I had to go out of my way to take in high school, and none of this was required. It was kind of like I had to go and seek it out. And the two things that stuck with me all these years like how much stuff did you really use back from then you know probably a lot indirectly but you know it was just like start building credit and like start investing because it's a time game and it's it's just like two crazy things that that you look back and say wow like that teacher made an impact and uh they they don't really teach this stuff i mean the world is a complex place where like you mentioned you know credit cards and 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 online banking and just stuff that's kind of taken for granted that if you don't figure it out, uh, I can really, you know, be a hindrance sometimes. And so I just think that's a really important mission. And it's really cool, man. I could definitely hear the, uh, the excitement, you know, coming through your voice. So really excited to keep, keep, uh, watching that develop and, and blossom because Lord knows it's, it's very important. And, and sometimes all you need is just like, you know, one or two people to, to teach you something. And I'm sure a lot of these kids that, you know, you're 25 right now, uh, you know, in 10 years, you know, you're going to impact them in ways that you probably even forget about. You're like, wow, like, I can't believe that just this thing led this kid to starting this company or something, you know, and it's you're, you're going to reap some of those rewards down the line. I think that's going to be awesome. And so will, so will society and so will those kids. And it's just something that really uh, leaves a legacy in addition to your football inspiration. So so that was really cool. Thanks for um, any final uh, thoughts you want to say on that before we move on a little bit.
1: No, man, that's that's the whole the whole cabang right there. <laughs> I left it all out there on the field. That's for sure.
2: Love it. Love it. Uh, so here's some, here's one of my favorite questions. If you were to describe Alec Ingold's personal brand, how would you describe it?
1: <sighs> Maximize potential. I think that, you know, whether, whether or not I'm the most athletic guy, definitely not. Um, you know, smart, whatever. Like, I'm going to use everything I got and, and I'm going to bring it every single day. So... Um, that's what I want people to remember me by. And that's on the field and off the field. I want know, I want people to know that I'm accountable and trustworthy and I'm going to give them everything I got every single Sunday and every single practice leading up to those Sundays. And then off the field, when it's trying to find that purpose, that legacy, everything we're talking about off the field, uh, just truly investing in those kids and, and understanding that that's what it's all about. It, it's about those kids and developing them so that they can go do great things. You know, I'm going to give them their... I'm going to give them my all, you know, when those times come as well. So maximizing the potential that that we have on this earth, that's what I want to be remembered by for
2: sure. That's something that everyone can strive to do. Uh, So last question before the lightning round from a normal kid who made his way to the NFL to the young kid watching you on Sundays, listening to this podcast on, on he or she's way to work, school or practice. Do you have any advice for all those kids out there aspiring to make their dreams a reality?
1: Yeah, write it down. Write down your biggest goal right now, whether you're listening, whether you're on the car, um, you know, you can do, you know, Google notes. You can do anything on your phone. Write it down somewhere. And then right below that, write down your biggest fear. Like what what is really holding you back from really just going and trying to chase it? And I know it's kind of a scary thing to kind of dig deep on. But if you can write down your biggest goal in the whole world and you can write down that biggest fear, all of a sudden you see both of them. And it becomes a little bit more real, becomes a little bit more tangible. It becomes a little less scary. That fear becomes a little less scary once you face it, and then that that goal just gets a little bit closer and closer and closer every time you're able to kind of go get it. You're you're able to see it over and over again, Uh, and you know that's not a dream anymore. It's a goal.
2: Wow. I mean, I just wrote, I just uh, scribbled some stuff down, just because you know, like you said, you know, call to action right there. Scribble it down. Everyone listening, just give it a try and. You'll start reverse engineering it. Uh, so, Alec, now definitely thanks for sharing that, man. Uh, we're gonna do the lightning round where I ask you a couple quick hitter questions, and all I ask is that you keep the sentences or the answers to one or two sentences. Sound good?
1: Yep, I got it.
2: Cool. So, what's your go-to meal lately? Go-to go meal? Yep. Uh, salmon and rice. Delicious. Love salmon. Who's a musical artist you've been listening to a lot this year? <sighs> J Cole. Apple Music or Spotify? Apple Music. First app you open in the morning? (laughs) Twitter. (laughs) A good book you've read? Lead for God's sake. Okay. Uh, Favorite movie or favorite TV show? Sandlot. Favorite class you've ever taken? (laughs) Uh,
1: Consumer behavior in, uh, in college at UW.
2: Yeah, no, I, I took that uh, at UWM actually. That was kind of interesting. Next place you want to visit? Uh, Italy. Favorite sport outside of football? Baseball. Okay, so I guess this is like uh, one of those questions I I ask everybody, but we already talked on this. If you if you could start or pursue any charity, what would it be? Uh, would it be just to comp, comp, you know keep expanding off your um, you know current initiatives, or is there like some? far left field idea that you're like, you know, if everything lines up, I'd like to do this one day.
1: Yeah. I think like having, uh, besides the whole, uh, financial literacy thing, I think it would be some sort of development for high school or youth football in Wisconsin.
2: Yeah. Keep, keep the sport alive. Um, we always like to wrap up our show this way. How's the family and how's Alec Ingle the person doing?
1: Family's good. I miss them like crazy. Uh they're all back home besides my fiance out here in Vegas with me, which is awesome. Um but yeah, family's back home. They're crushing summer break. I'm doing well. Um trying to, man, just like we're talking about the, all that, you know, expectation. There's a young, hungry team out here in the Raiders that we got. And it's um I, I'm sick of this whole potential. I wanna see it through. Yeah. I wanna see it happen. I wanna see these actions happen. So um, man, every single day, I'm just absolutely just working as hard as I can uh, to make those those losses turn into wins this next year. Um, and we're in the grind of camp right now, so it's it's fun getting to go to work and play outside play outside for a living. So, um, you know, it's still it's still just a, a game. So we're maximizing it, we're perfecting it, and I, I just absolutely love it.
2: You know, man, that's amazing, and I I just want to say, like, no matter what happens in life, like, your mindset's going to take you very, very, very far, and that's just something special. So, you know, I I become a better person in, uh, after this conversation, and I know a lot of our listeners are going to get some epiphanies as well. Uh, that wraps up things for today. We want to thank Alec for coming on the show. Alec, any final thoughts?
1: No, man, thank you for having me. Thanks for being a part of this this Ike podcast, and y'all are
2: doing your thing, so keep it up. Man, thanks so much. Thank you for listening, Badgers fans. If you enjoy this episode want to help support, easiest way to do that is simply tell a friend, uh, subscribe, or leave a five-star review. All those things go a long way. And if you're on Twitter, that's a great way to connect with us. You can find us at IkeBadgers. We post analysis, highlight scores, and more. Pure sports without the politics. Alec, do you want to tell the listeners the easiest way to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, just follow along on Instagram. I'm always on there on Twitter. Reach out that way. Uh, I do have a website, alecandgold.com, if you want to follow along with that money mini camp and how that grows. But besides that, I'm on social. So hit me up, follow. Um, yeah. And show love to these guys. They did a great job
2: man thanks so much uh, lastly if you're an athlete or business and want to talk branding you can send us an email at welcome to ike at gmail.com or get in touch with us at ike there's a lot of exciting things to come We're looking forward to a great season my name is KJ ike and this has been another great episode of the ike badgers podcast so until next time badgers fans we're out